Welcome, everybody. This is Heads and Tails Podcast. We are sitting here in the studio with our very special guest, someone I'm excited about. And I will say, Warren, probably one of the reasons I want to do the show in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Martin Kate, he wrote the book Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Cult of Tiki. So I'm not the special guest? You're not you're the, t- oh. No, you're not the special guest. Oh, fine. Um, but I did want to do the show with you. If you didn't want to oh. do it, I don't think I would have done it. Really? Yes. I don't believe you, but I'm I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about that you don't you believe? Uh, well, the first part and then the second part. <laughs> but what about the middle part there? Uh, you had me in the, for the middle part. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Martin is here, and we're going to talk about rum today, people. We don't have a distiller on, uh, but we want to do with the show is to provide a little bit of education. And uh, part of that is going through all the different types of spirits, you know, whiskeys and vodkas and blah, blah, blah. And part of that is, is rum. And uh, I got Martin's book for Christmas, and uh, there's a whole chapter and a whole section on rum and why. It's interesting is how I'm just going to say that. (laughs) And it just kind of turned my whole perspective on on rum before I thought rum was just, well, it's a dark liquid that kind of tastes burny, um, but it's just not I just don't care about it. Yeah. And actually, uh, one of my wife's friends uh, has a husband who is like, oh, I'm really into rum. And I'm like, oh, God, you <laughs> this can't, guy. You, yeah, you can't be into bourbon like every other person in the world. You have to be into rum. Like, how boring is that? I had no really experience with rum. I like goslings. Um, I remember when Chad was making steel bottoms with the uh, oh, yeah. goslings, a little bit of gas right. or whatever. And that was like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I always thought rum as an additive in a drink. Kind of like vodka. Right. Actually, if you darkened vodka and told me it was rum, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's rum. Right, yeah. I, I put 151 in my Long Island, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I did with rum. Yeah, and that's all you do. Yeah. Or you light things on fire with it. Right, right. Um, and I had no idea. And so I read Martin's chapter on, on rum, and um, certain aspects we'll, we'll get to, and being a, a beer guy, hearing that rum can have funk. Yeah. Totally, totally flipped my wig out. Yeah. So uh, we got him in here today. We drug him all the way in here. <laughs> Martin, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. We're going to try to undo everything you just said. <laughs> I know. In the Perfect. Next hour. Yeah. I have a car in my eye. I see Martin hanging his head. And he's like, oh, jeez, uh, what did I do? Uh, yeah. Martin is a rum judge. So he's not just some dude who wrote a book and uh, has a few tiki bars around the world. Um, but he's he's in the culture, man. He's a, tiki, he's a, he's a rum judge, and uh, he knows what he's doing. He's an advocate. Uh, for rum, and he brought us six rums that I've never heard of before, and that's what I, yeah. that's what I like. None of them, none of them are Goslings, which is you know fine. Uh, <laughs> none of them are uh, you know the standard stuff that you see, and we're going to learn. Right. We're going to learn all about it. Yeah, I'm excited to pull back instead of just talking with one distillery and going through their portfolio. Yeah, getting to just learn about a specific style and yeah. and pick the cream of the crop of of these rums that aren't Captain Morgan for I'm some reason. I'm a little reason. terrified of the rum fire. <laughs> Don't be afraid. The Jamaican rum fire? Yeah, it sounds yeah. good. I told Spoiler Bev, uh, uh, he, she's like, okay, who's the guest? I'm like, oh, it's Martin, the, the book that I've been reading or whatever. And she goes, mm-hmm. oh, oh, do we have any, uh, uh, any, is there any pineapple juice, any mixing going on? I definitely said that. Yeah, and I'm like, no, just rum. She mm-hmm. goes, oh, what the hell? <laughs> So, you know, yeah. but you'll be all right, Bev, I promise. I've been you seeing be that fine. book pop up all over. I've got coworkers reading that book, too, in addition to you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're not the only friend of mine reading that book. That sucks. Yeah. I wanted to be the one. 
Well, you, you were the first. There we go. But you're not the only now. That's all right. That does not suck, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. That's great for More you. More than one sale is good. Yeah, right. <laughs> Typic- <laughs> that's how books work. Oh, Turns out. So you want to sell yeah, these things. Right. Okay. So. Right. Uh, before we get started, though, I do want to thank our sponsor, Pico Brew, and the brand new Pico Still. You can go to PicoBrew.com. Check out under products. The Pico Still lets you do some distillation at home. Um, without a license, which is kind of cool. Um, of course, again, for you know, distilled water, maybe, or right. some herbal essences. Essential or, oils. You, right, right. you can make hop extracts. You sound very sultry like when you say essential oils, and I kind of like it. <laughs> essential oils. <laughs> Just get some reverb on that, a little echo. <laughs> I think that'd be great. You're welcome, Pico. <laughs> essential oils, 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 oils. So check them out, uh, PicoBrew.com, the Pico Still. Uh, we st- Speaking of still, we still we haven't still. gotten our... our our our, uh, our demo unit, but I know it's coming soon. Oh, really? Yes. Because Perfect. I think what they have to do is take care of all the Kickstarter backers. Pico Brew is very active on Kickstarter. They have a new thing. Right. It's on Kickstarter, so you can get a screaming deal for the new uh, for the new stuff. And uh, Martin, you mean we you don't jump in line? Coming, right? I do have one. I got it on the Kickstarter. Too. See, there you go. So we I don't th- jump in line ahead of the Kickstarters. I don't know that. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, huh. But I know it's coming soon. I think what they want to do is come into the studio and demo it for us. Oh yeah. Which I'm honestly kind of excited about it. and I was talking to them you and I were on the same right, call yeah. and uh, I was like well how loud is it that was super quiet let's do it during the show then yeah so we'll we'll, get, we'll distill some water yeah. during the show because Central legally that's oil. right that's what, we're, that's what we'll be doing oil, yeah. yeah we'll make a batch of distilled water well, in I think one we episode. should trim your beard and make beard oil Literally, is beard that oil. how you make beard oil? That's how you make beard oil. It's oh. harvested from hipsters. That is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, Bev. Why don't you relax about it a little bit? Anyway, uh, I'm stoked about the show. Uh, I really am. And uh, Martin, thanks uh, uh, again for coming in. So, what is your history with rum? You're a rum judge. Let's, I guess, start there. So, we have a lot of uh, homebrew listeners who are beer judges. I'm a uh, air quote beer judge. I haven't done it realistically for like five years. Um, so, I get it on that side, but uh, I didn't really realize there were rum judges. Yeah. So, I've been judging um, rum competitions for about a decade now and in, in all over the place in the Caribbean around the U.S., um, in Europe. And um, so sometimes it's big competitions with large established brands. But annually I also uh, judge spirits for both American Distillers Institute and American Craft Spirits Association. So I see – I get a chance to see, which is great, I get a chance to see maybe um, 200-plus new rums a year. American Craft – there's about 400 American Craft rums right now. Really? Yeah, it's booming. So, I mean, it's, you know – Oh, not quite as much as gin, but getting there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, it's great. I get a, a really amazing opportunity to to uh, see what's new and cooking right now. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and so many of these rums are, you know, they're probably only distributed within, you know, a 10-foot radius of the still. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so you, we're not exposed to them around the U.S. very much. Sure. What, what does it take to become a rum judge? Perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> a liver um, hard as a rock. Right. Hard as a rock. Um, I guess it's the other way around. I replaced it with machine years Car ago. before the um, horse. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's been just kind of years of expertise and, and, um, and uh, really kind of trying to break down the components of, <laughs> of it and understanding what you're drinking and trying to get some good feedback, understanding about what the raw materials are, what the production method is, so you know what you're judging from. That's one of the challenges. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So just lots of research. Lots of research. Lots of research, which involves lots of drinking rum. <laughs> oh. I feel like I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you just have to remember what you're drinking. Right, right. So you're traveling the world drinking rum. As much as I can, yeah. In fact, I was in Jamaica last week. Really? So, yeah. Man, we're Drinking in the wrong... That doesn't sound terrible to it be spending your winter ter- in Jamaica. <laughs> well, it wasn't bad. Now, I mean, you know, it's no, there's no beach time, but I, I, a lot of it was spent in a lab. But, okay. But okay. a Jamaican lab. A Jamaican <laughs> lab with, yeah, a lot of rum around. With a lot right. of rum in it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Learning. <laughs> Learning right. lots of things. Learning. So what do you do when you're when you're down judging? What's a typical judging? You know, are, but you say lab, right? Like a literal lab. Oh, well, in this like case, in this case, or? I was at a lab at a distillery in Jamaica. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, but in, in a judging competition, I'm we're typically tasting rums in flights um, with enough of a gap for trying to take account into account palate fatigue because it is it is kind of it does kind of wear you out after a beer several. wears me out man after like yeah. seven yeah. in a flight i can't imagine how, how many are in a flight typically for you it depends on the on the actual um composition of the flight i mean what kind of rum it is or what okay. kind of the, what the flight represents no more than about seven in okay. a flight but i'll do you know 40 a day maybe and given enough time over over the course of nine hours right and, oh, okay uh, um, so it's a uh, you try to take your time, walk around, lots of crackers, lots of <laughs> yeah. lots of water. Uh-huh. I can imagine. Uh-huh. Like, I need to I need to yeah. walk around. I just right. I need to walk it off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need a pound of almonds to, to <laughs> yes. crack this buzz. Let's go, yeah. man. When did you get involved in rum? Um, I've been involved in rum, I guess, starting around the late '90s, and when I was, you know, I got, I got to rum through tiki um, okay. because I was a, a tiki file, tiki enthusiast, had a home tiki bar. And you'd play around, you'd find a recipe, you'd say, okay, let's make this today. What do we got? Okay, it looks like I need all these ingredients. Okay, what am I going to do here? All right, go down to the BevMo or some place. Right. Um, <laughs> go down to the liquor store. Buzzmark. Come back. Come back and find yourself, you know, find your wallet about $250 lighter and say, <laughs> well, this better be a good drink. You right. Know? I mean, yeah. what am I getting into here? Why did I? And the big question is, looking at Tiki, why did I have to buy four rums? This drink right. called for four mm-hmm. different rums. Yeah. This is a, now we can talk about that as a secondary story about why there's <laughs> why they blend rums. But, All right. but I'd come home and I'd make this big drink and it'd be delicious. And then I'd say, now, why did I have to buy four rums for it? So then I taste the rums by mm-hmm. themselves and say, I don't get it. These products are completely different. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. This tastes like four completely different spirits. Why are they so different? And that was the journey. That's the trip down the rabbit hole. Where okay. You say we start to then you kind of go on a backwards trip. Why does rum from this country made in this method taste this way? How did that happen? Who brought rum to this country first? Why did rum appear here first? Mm-hmm. And how is it that they have evolved to make rum in this way? at this particular distillery on this particular island, for example. And you can repeat that story a thousand times over right. um, across islands, across Central and South America, across the Caribbean, across Southeast Asia. I mean, wherever rum is made, in Africa. I mean, it's it's India. It's everywhere. Is there an origin point that can be traced back to where Boy, that's really tricky. the first rum was? That's really tricky. The first time cane spirits were distilled was probably... Nobody knows exactly for sure, but probably in the 1500s, quite possibly in Brazil. First time okay. sugar was distilled, possibly in India. Um, what we think of largely as rum, molasses-based rum, we think of being more in the 1600s, probably with its origin in Barbados, although that's been contested too. So hmm. nobody knows exactly for sure. sure. Yeah, um, It's you know a bit lost in the mists of time, but it was... 
a situation where, sure, people were, were uh, you know, cachaça, for example, from Brazil, fresh cane juice um, distillate, probably predates molasses rum, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. But molasses rum, what we've come to know and love as it, at, at it you know, we, we didn't figure out for a long time. In the process of making sugar, your final, your, your leftover product is molasses. Molasses okay. has lots of fermentable sugar in it, but it no longer crystallizes. So molasses was no longer, once the crystals were extracted and exported, remember, again, for centuries, sugar was the most valuable commodity on earth. Right. Once the sugar went out, molasses, unlike what we've known for thousands of years, for example, with fruits like grapes, right? What happens when you press grapes? Well, there's wild yeast in the air. There's yeast on the skin. Spontaneous fermentation happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Molasses doesn't spontaneously ferment. It's not a, it's not a welcoming environment okay. um, for yeast. Okay. It has to be diluted first. So somebody had to figure out not just, well, well, this still tastes sweet. There must be something, you know, because, again, fermentation science, not exactly sophisticated in the 1600s. Correct. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. So, it's bubbling. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's tasting foamy. If I drink enough of this, I feel funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Right. But somebody had to figure out that you had to add molasses to create it, add water to molasses. Okay. To dilute it, to create a hospitable environment. Once somebody figured that out, then all of a sudden, wow, this miracle grass, sugarcane, now has even more value than we thought it had before because it's making sugar and it's making spirits. Right. So you, you have the, the sugar cane, you cut it, you squeeze it, or process it, whatever, all yeah. that juice, you make sugar with that, mm-hmm. and then the leftovers. You take that sugar, you reduce sludge, it. sludge, essentially. I it's mean, not sludge, yeah. but it's a syrupy mm-hmm. you know thing. And what, they were probably throwing it away, I guess. And they someone, would do all kinds of things with yeah. it. They would you know uh, spread it on fields, use it as feed, um, any kind of, there was lots of random uses, but nobody really saw the exact value until somebody figured out. Some smart dude. I want to know who that person was. <laughs> that person uh, needs a statue somewhere. They yeah. might have one in Brazil. So, someone someone who'd come to the Caribbean with some knowledge of distillation technology. It could have been an indentured servant from Ireland or Scotland. It could have mm. been somebody from um, the Middle East. It could have been somebody from who knows Who knows where. where, right. But somebody had to have some expertise sure. in distillation. What I found interesting uh, in reading the book about the history of, of rum, you have a, a really nice rundown there, is that it was really popular here in the colonies, in the New World. Hugely popular. And I had no idea. And what you're saying is the grain to make whiskey was better off as a food. It was more valuable to eat and yeah. to make food with, uh, which is weird, um, than it was to actually <laughs> distill and, and, and drink. We were, at the time, colonial America, molasses was coming in and... Uh, we had rum production was happening in British colonies in the Caribbean. And in the U.S. colonies, not only was rum coming up, but molasses was coming up, too. I mean, there were over 100 distilleries in New England wow. in the 1700s. And it was incredibly popular. I mean, rum was currency. Rum was medicine. Rum was used everywhere. And rum was um, was really, really popular until about 1776. Something mm-hmm. happened then. I can't remember what it was. Mm. But... <laughs> There was something that made British things very uncool um, <laughs> right. right around that time. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, more seriously, that severed the trade relationships with the other British colonies. So mm-hmm. the molasses supply started to dry up after 1776. Mm. After 1776, America starts to move westward and southward, too. And as Americans spread into the grain belt... You make alcohol with what you have at hand, and that's sure. grain. So then, yeah. so really, after after independence, we really become a whiskey country. 
and okay. we don't really go back to rum until really the 20th century. Man, humans are great at well, if we're at great at well, we're great at two things. One is expansion, yeah. but two is to make alcohol out of things that we have around the house. Figuring out how to get drunk. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. just industrious people. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands of years of figuring out how to get intoxicated yeah. as quickly and easily as possible. Right, right. it's kind of nice. And, yeah. and rum was the price of freedom for us. <laughs> That's so right. That's right. We had to make a choice. Yeah. Now it's back. Right. So we have a few rums in front of us, um, and and we, we talked a little bit off the air, and you make a big uh, uh, you know uh, point in the book to not describe rums by their colors, but I'm going to anyway, and you can tell me why I'm wrong. We have some white rums. You're wrong. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, some dark rums. Still, Still wrong. wrong. Still oh, wrong. Why, and, and this is what I've always heard about rum. There's two rums. Jason, there's white and there's and there's dark rums. Yeah, um, that's right. There's only two wines too. <laughs> there's white and there's red. Why am I wrong? Yeah. Why is why is this why is this why is this incorrect? Boy, that's a long answer. Let's try to make it fast. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons that's incorrect. So what we're trying to do is number one, we want to get rid of the color as a as a differentiator. Yeah. What what does white tell you? It doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you how it was made. It doesn't tell you even many, many white rums on the market today are aged then charcoal filtered to remove the color. So it doesn't even tell you. Hmm. It's it's already telling you. You look at it and you think, oh, this is new make distillate, but it's not. I mean, huh. frequently. So you, you can yeah. still get oak and wood tannins yeah. after there, it's charcoal filtered? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, huh. They're mild, and some of it comes out with the filtration, but mm-hmm. usually okay. it does still lend a bit of a roundness and a little softness to it. Huh. So you would look at a, a, a white rum, mm-hmm. forgive me for using the term, um, and then you would think, oh, this is, this is a new distillate. It's not age. It's not anything. Right. But it could be aged. And just changed right. into a white. I mean, rum. I'll, we'll we'll pour these two white okay. rums side by side, and you'll say it's night and day. Okay. I mean, so because one of this has no age on it, this has age and charcoal filtration. This okay. is a blended rum, different kinds of stills from different islands. This is a hundred percent super funky Jamaican goodness. Um, so it, yeah, wow, it, it's complex. So, so we want to talk about. We don't want to. We want to get away from that. We want to talk about production method. We want to talk how it was made. What was the raw material? Okay. And what kind of stills did you use? Is this a batch product? Is this a pot still product? Or is this a continuous product? Is this okay. a column still product? Or is this a blend of the two? And that's very common too. That's a very frequent style now as well. Okay. So rum was born. Want to drink some? Yes, please. Yeah. Let's drink some. Rum was born. So, rum was born. Right. Drink some. Would you born, like some? Rum was born from me drooling at the bottles, I'm starting to feel a little like. Getting a little. I'm gonna grab a glass for uh, Brad there too, please, Warren. Uh, do, you, do you feel uncomfortable bit. when you're around alcohol and you can't drink it? <laughs> and Beverly. <coughs> oh yeah, and Beverly too, I suppose. Wow, look at that. Thank you very much. So, whew, first things first. So this is really wow. This is time travel. Okay. So this is this is this is going back. This, by the way, is Rumfire from Hampton Estate in Jamaica. This is Rumfire. Rumfire. So this is this is an opportunity to go back in time and really taste historic production methods from a, a largely a distillery that's largely unchanged since 1780. It's um, this is this is really this is where rum would have what a lot of rum would have been like 200 years ago. Okay, uh, high proof, unaged. Um, really fragrant, really aromatic, and 100% pot still. So, you know, take this up and, and uh, 
I'm, I'm going to be honest. The, the label alone would have chased me out of the store. <laughs> There's like fire or you know red fire on one side and blue fire on the other, and it just seems like something that would be $4 a bottle. There's a complex reason why the label looks like that. It has to do with some Jamaican cultural traditions. And oh, okay. For, for us, we look at it, it looks kind of like a little 80s and kind of oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. But there's this makes sense in Jamaica. Okay. That's a, okay. It's, a, it's a long story. Okay. Um, All but, right, so I'm smelling it. What am I, what am I smelling for? But you're going to be smelling some really big fusel oils, a lot of heavy um, tropical fruit, overripe banana, like really like mm-hmm. rotten banana right there on the top. Yes, like brown, mm-hmm. like browning banana. Yeah, banana yep. for sure. I got a little, a little ch- like a cheesy, yeah. but that goes away when it kind of opens up a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Is. I get a little, uh, like you said, fusels and even a, almost a little acetone-y, uh-huh. uh, but sure, definitely the, the, the ripe bananas. But this is... But you know, this is that style. We want just a little bit of the heads cut in there still. Okay. Um, that's that's a, it's it's a heavy okay. bodied. It's very pungent. So what they're doing here is they're using a heavy duty fermentation. <laughs> Worried I'm going to go blind. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Are you guys dimming the lights? It's yeah. What's build, happening? It's going to build character. I smell I also like a clamata olive. Okay. Kind of thing too. Absolutely. Those mm-hmm. kind of savory yeah. olive notes yeah. Yeah. in here. Yeah. Wow. That's it. It's also changing every time I smell it. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. it's my brain shorting out because this is unlike <laughs> anything I've ever smelled before, especially in a rum. To yeah. me, it smelled like really sweet, like syrupy. And then when you said banana, now that's all I smell. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. the overripe banana. That, that, that banana ester is really common in this kind of oh. with this kind of fermentation. Really long fermentation and the use of a sec- like a bacterial ferment, which they call muck. So, okay. I'm, not, I'm not going to be able to sell it on you if I describe it. Okay. You kind of have to go and experience it firsthand. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's experience it. Let's so try it. Yeah. Please tip it back. Go easy. Let it roll over the tongue. So it does taste like what I would imagine a sour, funky, fermented spirit would taste like. It also tastes literally like nothing about what it smells. Maybe there's a little of the Clamato olive notes at the end. I taste the olives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it tastes nothing. Because I, honestly, I was getting cheesy. And then to be completely honest, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I want to drink it based on the smell. Because <laughs> it was so weird and funky, but in a weird, in a, just a, a different way. I, I have no idea how to describe it. But tasting it's very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, almost acidic, I guess. Um, kind of, there's some bright flavors to it. Now I'm getting some kind of some, uh, like, uh, cigar tobacco, like fresh cigar, like unlit cigar yeah. kind of in the back. I don't know why. Yeah. A little Probably ashy. because I'm having a stroke. Um, it <laughs> Can tastes, you feel your arms? It tastes really good. It doesn't yeah. taste like it smells. Yeah, this thing has become a real... Uh this thing has become a real kind of bartender's darling. You know, bartenders always want the most powerful thing that they can possibly, not just not just proof, but I mean, <laughs> right. boldest flavors, you know, the way, you know, Fernet, Lafroig, things like that. Yeah. Anything that, that, that screams of, you know, um, not just the boldness, but, you know, authenticity and re- and really great traditional production. And wow. this is, and this hmm. is uh, you it, know. It tastes yeah. like cedar, like a cigar. It, honestly, that's what I'm getting. Cedar's I'm getting, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting cigar flavor. And it does have a really full body to yeah. me also. It's very round. Absolutely. That's 100% pot still rum. That's got heft, weight, a little more oily, a little more viscous. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's 63% by volume, but because it's really got that uh, um, weight to it. I mean, when you drink something that's really light, like a column still rum at that strength, it's kind of just tastes more like just ethanol. You know, right. Just kind of hot, clean ethanol. But this okay. is... 
this brings all that rich, those rich, rich oils and that, that yeah, that mouthfeel. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is 126 proof? Yes, sir. Okay, I don't want to wow. be the one that states the obvious, but it does taste a little like fire, too, though. Well, it's, it's in the literally in the name. Yeah, yeah, that's that's truth in advertising. Right. Absolutely, it's rum. Yeah, and it tastes like fire. Let's call it rum fire. <laughs> yeah, done. Uh, so, uh, tell me about muck. <laughs> okay, so when you when you finish the still and you've got the spent wash okay. in it, you sort of save the spent wash off to one side. We call that dunder. Okay, at the bottom of the still is you've got bacterial compounds you've got um particulate matter you've mm-hmm. got just this sort of this leftover sludge almost you take that sludge and you kind of just add it to a big pile of sludge I, it's very hard to explain <laughs> you're doing great it's, but, yeah. and i'm not going to sell it it's the what, compost pile it's, it, it is but the idea is that you protect you 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 preserve this to try to create a really pungent bacterial fermentation okay so what you're doing is you're going to take some of this really bacteria-rich, it's almost a soil in a way. It's just mm-hmm. kind of pasty brown material. You're going to mix in some of that dunder. You probably put in some fresh cane juice, maybe some cane cuttings, maybe some ripe fruit, mm-hmm. and you put it into a pit, and you build up a super strong bacterial stew, basically. Okay. Huh. And then you add that to the fermented molasses. To What you're doing is you're attempting to turbocharge the ester counts, particularly the, the sort of the, the ethyl acetate. You're, you're trying to tr- boost it so that you create a highly concentrated flavor, a highly concentrated, it's what we kind of think of it as rum concentrate uh, in a way. Okay. Again, so the origin of this was to, to say, how can we get around the tax man in Europe? Because the tax man putting this big tax on Jamaican rum. And we say, well, what if we make the Jamaican rum super concentrated, we bring it in, and then we dilute it a little bit with some neutral spirit and yeah. we can kind of lengthen that flavor so this all these different categories and styles were formed in jamaica for different and it's all rated just on ester count okay real simple reading of f last date mm-hmm. and it's um um this stuff is right around the sort of mid-range this is about 550 parts per million of uh, state. so this is kind okay. of this is stronger than most things on the market yeah um um Funk wise, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so um, they're making like a living trash. It's the yeah. trash heap, the trash yeah. heap from uh, Fraggle Rock. Yeah, it's living. It, it, <laughs> it gives you some sort of like uh, life changing lesson. What's really and, uh, you're there better you for it. What's yeah. really interesting is when you get a particularly good batch of muck, yeah. you might actually save. You're like this year was really good. This season a, we came up with this, this muck season was they great. Bury it out back. There's <laughs> really? a there's a muck graveyard behind the behind oh, the like, Christmas. You know, behind and they the have distiller. different years or yeah. piles in there, yeah. and they're buried. And you just bury some, and, and you put a little tombstone. I'm say this is 2007. Because, <laughs> wow. And then because they're paying respects to the... Yeah, you'll, you'll go wow. back and you'll dig it back up and reuse it. Because it's, huh. you, can, you can bring it back to life. So It basically goes what into What is stasis. going on down there? That is... <laughs> Good thing. Yeah. yeah. This, the, is, this is voodoo. They're Don't not the using it to start primary fermentation. They're just using it as a flavoring... After prim- after most of the sugar has been fermented into alcohol, they're adding it during the fermentation phase. During, okay, yeah. yeah. So this so, is like a- so the yeast is fermenting on both the both the the the, the, the dunder wash dunder mm-hmm. muck combo and the molasses. Oh, okay, the molasses. yeah. So this is like the equivalent of the terroir in wine. 
Well, right? I think because so. every I mean, yeah. region, every regional muck, dunder muck, it would will, be unique. It would yeah. be different. Well, really, almost nobody does this besides Jamaica. So that's one of the things that makes ah. Jamaica special. Okay, is to okay. have this. Is this? Um, wow. Is this technique which was pioneered there? Wow. So. Well, would I don't it, know if would they it be keep a, it or if more people should do this. Would it be allowed in the U.S., I wonder? I, there's some. There's a couple of distilleries giving it a shot. Oh, yeah? I mean, you know, doing their own sort of... I mean, you can't really reproduce a, a, a two-century-old pit um, because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of magical. Um, yeah. And um, the cobwebs and the thing. You know the way they talk about... Uh, the way they talk about, like, a Belgian farmhouse beers. Oh, like Cantillon, right. yeah. probably. Like, yeah, yeah, like where yeah, they yeah. say, well, there's that co- don't touch that cobweb because yeah. it's right. part of the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That tile's missing and don't replace it. Cause For it's sure. Part. It's like that. Yeah, like uh, Cantillon. Like, there's yeah. big sour brewery. There's mold yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And they tried to open a new brewery with yeah. no mold, and they can't. They couldn't do it. Right. Because that's part of the flavor. That's part of the magic. But so, the FDA's yeah. okay with... Uh, I, uh, an American distillery having a dunder pit? So, so far. <laughs> yeah. But they don't know more. The, yeah, exactly. They might not know what's happening. <laughs> okay, so this is a, let's call it a clear rum, I guess. I don't want to call it a white rum. I would just call this a pot still rum. A pot still rum. Yep. Okay. okay. Um, and then let's Unaged try the other one. All right, so let's, let's side by side with some Let's side by side this because... Quote, unquote, we're, we're breaking stereotypes right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, this is I a blended rum? Yes. So is that, this okay. is this is two things. This is blended in two ways. So this is not just a this is not just a blend of pot and column still rums. This is also a blend of rums from different countries. Okay. So this is Trinidad, Barbados, and Jamaica rum. And the idea was this is a relatively recent product called Royal Standard that the idea being it's it's kind of designed to be an all rounder for daiquiris, for basic drinks and things like that. But the idea is let's do it at forty two percent, a little bit bigger than normal. Okay, and then let's oh. yep, there you go. Sorry. Okay. And let's also not no sweeteners, no adjuncts, just a, a dry, clean, medium bodied rum. So I would okay. call this a hmm. a regional blended rum. Yeah, you know, the yeah. classic daiquiri recipe rum. So it's a wow. standard rum made for just you know not, not big impact. Yeah. Middle of the road, but but so it's not heavy okay. in body, but it's medium bodied, and it does. And if you think about some of the other yeah. sort of large name white rum, quote unquote, right white rums, which are column rums, mm-hmm. they don't really taste like anything. They taste yeah. sort of they're very clean, they're very light, they're almost vodka like. Sure. And this you can taste just a little bit more, a little more soul to it. It's got a little, it's got a little pot still in it. So it's bringing in a little. You can smell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can definitely smell. There's there's character. So it's to not it. as much body as the last one you had. Yeah. Right. I mean, setting proof aside, obviously, yeah. but just. And also, even just the intensity of flavors mm-hmm. and everything is a huge step down. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Yeah. There's still flavor there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does taste very vodka-like, kind of through the middle, and you know towards the finish. It's got where kind it's of a, just it's a dry, mm-hmm. slightly bitter ethanol finish. Yeah, for on sure. The back, but up in the front. There's a sweet entry right as it comes in. Yes, yeah, and a respectable mouthfeel. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, and and I, you would put these two glasses side by side. Well, and and actually the rum fire is a little bit more clear. The Royal Standard has a little yellow. It does have tinge a very pale honey, very, so very pale I would, honey kind of color to it. There's I would look at the Royal it. Standard, and I would assume mm-hmm. that that would have that would be the more intense one because it just has a little color. I assume there's a little more process right. to it, more spin on it. But that's not the case. And you put these two down, and they're they're completely different. Yep. Completely different. Yeah. 
but yet they look pretty much the same. I get it now. White rum doesn't yeah. mean a thing. So all right, yes. lesson one. Okay, <laughs> all right. He can be taught passing grade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Oh, and I feel like Billy Madison suddenly. <laughs> You might pass elementary school. <laughs> we'll, no, we'll, we'll never know. Um, yeah, well, so let's talk about this one. I mean, there, yeah. there's a little banana, Esther, I get. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm looking for it now because now Martin you know, has said the banana, Esther. Now I think that that's what it should have because I'm trying to be smart. To me, in a lineup, I believe I, if it was a mix of rum and vodkas, I don't know that I would have picked... You could have convinced me this was a vodka. It's oh, that, so it's that, it's that neutral yeah. to me. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I, I almost have to... And maybe it's the order coming from a very intense, yeah. full-flavored strong, and full-bodied rum yeah. to contrast, this. Yeah. I have to kind of look for the, the sweet, honey-like, little full-bodiedness. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I agree this with one. you on that, for sure. Yeah, um, I, I would be convinced that this was a, a, a vodka. Um, maybe maybe coming in a line of vodkas, this would stand out more like a sore thumb. Yeah. But but would, right now, yes, definitely would. Uh, well, let's move. Uh, let's move to the to the brown color. Now I'm. Ner- I don't. I don't wow. know what. To, I don't want to insult them. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Uh, aged. Well, right. no, because this see. is aged too. Help me out. Let's what do I do, call those? What, what do you, what we, want to call these? Well, yeah. we're going to call them. Well, they're all their age. We'll call sure. them what they are. I guess. You can say yeah. aged rum if you want to keep it really short. But we're going to yeah. say in this case we're going to say aged uh, column still rum. Okay. In this case, we're going to... And that still know. doesn't determine... Fl- so, basically, color doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. It doesn't matter perception. really at all. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. What matters is, you know, the fact the three, the three key factors, raw material, production method, and age. Okay. And age is, age is for our own sort of definitions, really parsing it down a little bit more, but really... Raw material production method are the most important. Okay. While, while we while we open this rum, let me ask you a question. Why hasn't rum kind of – it feels like it hasn't hit the um, classification structures that we like to put on every other spirit, every other beverage sure. in the world. Rum seems like kind of just the, the outsider that gets away with everything. Right. Well, there's a real easy answer for that. Every other great spirit comes from one place, and rum comes from 100 places. So part of the problem is we can we can apply a yeah. definition to scotch very easily. All scotch is made in one half of one small island. It's 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 pretty straightforward. And the United States, for example, will recognize and acknowledge the definitions of scotch as laid out by the scotch producers because okay. there's nobody mm-hmm. really to disagree with. It, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But but in the case of rum, yeah. you've got a a broad spectrum of opinions about what, how it should be classified and what it should be called. So the United States, in terms of how the TTB recognizes rum, really just kind of throws their hands up a little bit. They just sort of say, well, uh, it's got to be 40% by volume, and it's got to be made from sugarcane or some sort of sugarcane product, yeah. molasses, fresh cane juice, whatever it is. And uh, Bob's your uncle. There's kind of, <laughs> there's, there's That's as of, far as they regulate. Well, there's a few there's a few uh, you know there's a few restrictions about the percentage of additives added, but really the onus on regu- on the regulatory is on the importing country, and the TTB doesn't always enforce it um, consistently. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes things sneak through. Um, you know there are certain statements about age on bottles that can be fudged a little bit. Technically, legally, if it's the if it says aged, let's say aged five years, aged this expression aged five years or five years old are ttb statements that mean that's the minimum age on the bottle okay but okay. lots of rums have 
list their maximum age, their average age, their imaginary uh, age. Oh, their, okay. So there's not really restrictions there either. You just don't, okay. you just can't use those two sentences technically. Is that ever going to really be tested? Who knows? It's um, So it's very frustrating for those of us in the industry who want transparency yeah, in production yeah. I can and imagine. transparency in labeling and transparency in production, raw material, et cetera. Yeah. So we don't always get as square an answer as we'd hope for. And that really does come back to, A, kind of a lack of enforcement, and B, just that it's coming from so many places yeah. and so many different influences on on the government about how you're going to regulate it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be willing to, to sign up for that job to be the, the TTB rum law enforcement enforcer, agent yeah. to just yeah. fly around to the these fuzz, countries yeah. and watch the rum age <laughs> and make to make that's sure like fun doesn't yeah it? right yeah pretty yeah. sure that's not the the job but if you can look if you can it, sell it on them it sounds like it should be a job then you need an assistant because i'm all about transparency <laughs> that's right that's true <laughs> watching rum age is um not exciting um, <laughs> I'm okay with it that. It doesn't really do anything in front of you. It just sort of hmm. sits there. It's kind Neither of, does Warren. So it does, it's fun. Right. It's, Match made in heaven. It, 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 it is peaceful. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. But, you but know, you're right, Warren. It sounds good. So unfortunately, as a result, color still continues to be sort of the common usage, the common terminology. The TTB still recognizes well, color. And I can we'll see say why. things like gold and amber because, yeah. because it's too it's too confused. But, but that's not applied. That's... That's not that standard's not applied to any other spirit category. Right, right, right. I mean, outside of you know the you know say gold tequila, which is now kind of officially a bad word, meaning mixto tequila or something. Okay. It doesn't really gold is not a is not a sign of quality in any other spirit category. It's something that would be huh. yeah. But you never asked for nobody ever asked for a dark scotch. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. it's so it's it's extra nonsensical. It just doesn't it just doesn't tell the story. But okay. that's because the story isn't easily quantified. The story is sure. complicated. How do we fix that? Or does well, it need fi- like It sounds like the, it needs the, fixing. It, but. The general feeling amongst the sort of the rum cognoscendi is that it's is that the answer is in is in narrowing it down to production method as okay. a key differentiator. And the the person who's kind of making the charge on this is an Italian independent bottler named Luca Gargano, and he's got a. a, a a method he has called the Gargano classification, and everything is classified into um, single rum, meaning pot still, blended rum, meaning pot and column, or or rum, or modern rum, or industrial rum, meaning multi column stills. Oh, okay, it's it's I'm not doing it full justice right now, but it's it is it it is actually a pretty streamlined definition. My book's definitions are basically based on the Gargano method. They're just a little bit more baroque. Mm-hmm. They're they're they're. It's a methodology and a system that works for a book and it works for a reader. <laughs> well, it right. works. It works for you as a user of the book. Yes, and right. you're shopping and when you're going out, it helps spin it out. It's right. not as simplified <clears throat> as the Gargano method. It's a baroque version of it. Okay. So, but that is where we see the future. That's where we see the future moving forward. Is is production method. That's the only. That's the universal. Things are either batch distilled or they're continuously distilled or they're a blend of the two. Okay. At the end of the day, that's kind of your nutshell. Right. That's a nutshell. The raw material you can put into a nutshell and you can quantify aging. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. All right. So let's taste this. This will be a nice contrast. 
So in this case, we're going to 100% columns, 100% continuous aging in a large, modern, multi-column facility. This is a um, this is a Puerto Rican rum from a terrific company called Don Q. And this is a, uh, a really nice um, sort of elegant, long-aged mm. rum that you'll find is lighter in body. Don Q. Mm. Grand Añejo. Grand Añejo. Wow. Nine to twelve year average mm-hmm. uh, rums between nine and twelve years old. Yeah, but taste that now. What do you now? What are you getting off of this? So you're you're getting for starters. There's a lot of vanilla extraction. Yeah, yeah. I'm smelling. It smells a lot like a, like a, some bourbons. It does. Yeah, it's definitely got some some vanilla and some tannin in mm-hmm. the aroma. So think about this is this is spent nine to twelve years in used American bourbon casks. Okay. Either either bourbon or Tennessee whiskey. Almost all rum outside of the French rums are aged and used American mm. whiskey, just like scotch, just like hmm. tequila. The world is filled with used whiskey <laughs> because they're cheap and because bourbon can't reuse them. Right. As you it, guys, you guys. What did they well do know. before bourbon was? That's a great question. Large scale. It was not very good. The rum was not very good. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, what would have happened? What would have happened before? And although it's been bourbon for a long time, at least you know we were just talking about this in Jamaica. At least even a half a century ago, they were getting American whiskey casks. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, when spirits would be shipped to the Caribbean in barrel, sherry's, for example, or, or or brandies, that's what you'd use. Because you'd get the barrel, you'd empty it into bottles and sell it, and that's the barrel you'd have. Sure. So that's typically just recycling the barrels that were used for shipping. The barrel that got shipped to you. Yeah. Okay. So that would have been so sherry and sherry and brandy probably would have been highly common in the Caribbean for 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 barrel aging. Mm -hmm. This it tastes like scotch a little bit. It tastes a little bit like a bourbon, and then but it has this honey note to it that tells me that it's neither of the two yeah but it's this it's this strange mix of bev you would like this bev loves scotch and like peat scotch does it taste scotchy to you i don't um, get the uh, peat smoke no not peat i'm just oh. saying i'm just saying yeah. she likes kind of like stronger you know booze uh, it tastes a little scotchy i don't know why mm-hmm. um maybe it's the the lighter the lighter notes uh, i don't know mm-hmm. The 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 fruity banana uh, notes from the actual rum distillate are combining with the oak vanillins and everything in, in a very interesting way that uh, is not in bourbons or any whiskeys at all. Right, right. And I'm saying there's like there's highlights of these for for me, mm-hmm. um, but it's that mid palate honey kind of flavor, um, honeysuckle even maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, this is a trip. I would never have guessed that rum could be. Like this. Well, the thing I want you to notice about this in particular is, is how light the body is. Mm-hmm. So all these notes that you get are really kind of subtle mm-hmm. and delicate. It's not you can taste. It's not heavy or unctuous on right. the right. palate because the dis, the distillate itself is very light. Yes, it's a very light, very clean, nearly neutral distillate that's being mm-hmm. used. I would sit and drink this instead of a scotch or bourbon. Hmm. I, uh, I might pick scotch over this, but I definitely pick this over some bourbons <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but. I would never have imagined before the show that rum would be like that, where, no. where you would sit down with a glass of rum instead of a glass of bourbon. I would be kind of curious, and, and maybe we've got one coming up here, having a, a barrel flavor like this, but in a more full-bodied Oh, you've got rum. You got, I got your bourbon lover rum coming right <laughs> up. Okay. <laughs> no question um, about that. This is great. <laughs> yeah. 
This good. is really Glad you like it. It's definitely the, the lightest. We've been light, uh, increasing or decreasing in body yes. as we've gone. Well, and super different than the other two rums, but they're yeah. still rums. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, and all is, it just says is rum on the label. And this <laughs> is why I wanted to do this specific show, is because to me, the more I look into rum, the more, the, the bigger the world is. And it's not just as simple as here's rum. Yeah. Well, you raised a great point, because this is the problem. We don't have clear definitions on the labels. We yeah. don't have defined terminology to understand what we're about to get into, unless I like that. in the what you call the fanciful description part on the side of the back, <laughs> right. where they say, here, you know, they try to describe it a little bit, they might use some terminology like this is a full-bodied or this is a particularly uh, pungent or rich or something, some word yeah. that they're going to use, you're kind of flying blind as a consumer. And that's yeah. one of our challenges because because words like, I mean, single malt scotch immediately telegraphs. You, you've got a really good idea of what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Do you know how peaty it is off the top or how smoky or, or what? Maybe not. Yeah. But you know what you're getting into from a flavor standpoint pretty clearly. When you see Reposado tequila, you know what you're getting into right. largely from a flavor standpoint. Yeah, yeah, there's some heavier, some lighter. But you, you've got some guidance. The rum, you don't have a lot of guidance in the labeling because we don't have those kind of easy terms. Right. Yeah. Now, the next rum I'm going to point for you is using Gargano classification on their label to try to define. Now, we recognize that most consumers have not a clue what that is. No. Do I ever think it will become the American standard? Probably not because it would have to also be kind of a global standard, too. It's Because it's a global drink. It's a global drink. Yeah. Um, and so are we ever going to really have the answer to it? All we can do is kind of education. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I... I you know, if I were bottling rums, I would be really clear about how it was made uh, for the more educated consumer to have some feeling about it. Yeah. yeah. But it's going to be, you know, it's just always going to be kind of tricky from a retail standpoint. This is why on-premise people have to kind of, we, we you know, I have rum clubs at all my bars. We shepherd people through an educational process to tell them, you know, here, I want you to taste these side by side. I want you to compare these production methods i want you to compare these raw materials side by side so you get my like my dream is just making educated consumers i want yeah. people going to stores and going i had all 20 of those rums right there at smugglers co i hated that one i loved that one i'm buying <laughs> yeah. that one yeah so boom yeah yeah i want you to get through my education and come up with i want you to come up with enemies i want and i want you to come up with with <laughs> yeah. with, with friends you want to curl up with yeah. right you know yeah. Like, yeah. I, I want th- that's what we're looking for and so I, because of the complexity because of the diversity of the category it is really hard to not to educate somebody at the retail shelf level yeah you're mm-hmm. going to walk in what are you going to do maybe yeah. there's a shelf tag <laughs> Maybe the store does it. I was really excited. Bitters and Bottles, I'll just throw them a plug because they're a great shop down in South City. Mm-hmm. They actually categorized the rum based on our books categorization system. Oh, cool. So they actually okay. shelved everything and put everything out with our our little code numbers on them, mm-hmm. which, you know, was a little, you know, there's something in my eye. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty exciting. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, that's. That's what we can. That's all we kind of hope for is to try sure. to have retailers do their best to. We got to start somewhere. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, here's a weird question. Do, do you think it would change the way rum is produced if there were stricter classifications on it? Well, it's interesting because we rum is produced in 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 so many ways, including this very modern multi-column method that no other spirit, traditional spirit, is produced on. Mm-hmm. You know, no. 
cognac can't legally be made on these devices. Cognac has to be made in Alembic Charente stills, for example. Uh, Armagnac has to be made in certain ways. I mean, the AOC obviously has in France for all of their spirit and and and, and uh, fermented beverage categories is very restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing coming off of modern multi-column stills is vodka, rum, or the the base vodka for gins, yeah. right? Okay. Nothing else is made that way. No, no tequila is made that way. No scotch is made that way. No Irish whiskey is made that way. So we are we that gives us diversity and a spread, but it also gives us yeah a really hard thing to explain. Yeah. So we think that the more we kind of show the the intrinsic value of batch distillation, because batch distillation has intrinsic value, um, because it is. It, it is it uses more raw material it uses more energy it, it there's all these things that happen in batch distillation that mm-hmm. that take time and money mm-hmm. and that so there's a there's there's value in it okay so will that make more people move to batch distillation you know who knows right but right. Yeah. economics aren't really there for it <laughs> so. is there a way to get the body that you get in a batch distillation in a column still they're just not running it that way well if you run a big column you can pull low plates you can pull mm-hmm. distillate from a lower plate which would be heavier but it's also kind of taily because remember you know columns are it's fractional distillation it's like showing you a, it's showing you the journey along the column so the higher in the column the more ethanol you have in yes. relationship to water mm-hmm. and at the bottom it's higher water content yeah. ethanol so most people pull from a pretty high point for a very small amount of flavor, but a, a cleaner result, a more efficient result. Mm-hmm. You might pull from a lower plate too, but and you get a heavier rum. Okay, but it's you know the jury's out. But the but many people are of the opinion that yes, while that's a heavier, more flavorful rum, it's not as rounded or as complex a rum hmm. as, as a you, pot still. Correct. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. Here, let's uh, let's break open let's the next do, one. Let's do this one first over here. Oh, okay. Here we go. See those two for the end. So. Right, what do we so, got going on here? So this is called the Real McCoy. This is from Barbados. All right. And this is their 12-year, minimum 12-year product. This is a bottling that was done for my bar smugglers cove, so it's exclusive oh, okay. to our location. Take that one. So can we trust this 12-year ranking? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> the distiller himself would fly to Concord and choke the life out of you if you suggested otherwise. I would um, like to see that. Yeah. He's very ill-tempered. But you can see, so they did... Um, hi, Richard. I'm sure you're listening. Um, um, single blended rum. They used this category. They want to kind of explain. Um, these guys are really committed to uh, a message of transparency. Mm-hmm. This this brand and the distillery that produces this brand. No added sugar, no flavor, no artificial colors added. They call it single blended, meaning it's a single distillery with both a pot and a column still. Uh, they age them together. And uh, and this is, yeah, minimum 12 years. This was a special bottling for us. I selected the barrels, and it's at a higher proof than their normal 12-year product. Where is it from? Barbados. Barbados. So you went to Barbados. Oh, well, they, they brought me some samples. I didn't have to fly. <laughs> oh. You didn't get to fly. No. Okay. I've been before, though. So, so even the term blended can vary in its meaning depending on when it was blended during the process. They, they, the, the reason Gargano chose the term blended, he was inspired by the terminology used in the Scotch whiskey industry. Oh, okay. Um, single rum meaning like single malt, 100% pot. Blended Scotch is blend of, of column, column whiskey and, 
and single malt. Whiskey. Before it goes into the barrel. Uh, I'm, or, you know, actually in the Scotch world, I'm not totally certain. I wouldn't profess to be an expert on that. Okay. And in the rum world, blended rum, you could distill both pot and column, put them in the barrel and age them together, uh-huh. or you could age them separately. And both places, in some places, do different ways. It would, it would still just say blended. Yeah, it's okay. still blended. So exam- for example, um, Appleton State in Jamaica mm-hmm. ages their column and their pot still rum separately. But this particular distillery, Foursquare in Barbados, mm-hmm. marries them prior to aging. Okay. It's just two different choices. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could blend afterwards. Whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. This uh, tastes like a bourbon. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This tastes like a bourbon to me. In well, fact, I would think it's a bourbon. Doing, I mean, what, hmm. makes you, what makes you think this is a bourbon is that there's just a tremendous amount of wood extraction in this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just, yeah. so Another phenomenon we should talk about is a very real phenomenon called tropical aging. Okay. And when you're aging in the Caribbean, you're at sea level, you're in the tropics, you're um, you're dealing with um, the climate down there. Mm-hmm. The interaction between the wood and the spirit is more pronounced. It's actually expanding and contracting more with heat. It's actually um, pulling more into the barrel. So it's actually you're bringing in more wood tannins, more vanillin okay. coming into the product. Tropical aging is typically it's doesn't it's not exactly analogous to what we would say is like continental aging, but what really does happen and what what is quantifiable is how much evaporation you get. Scotland's like two percent a year coming off the barrels. The Caribbean can be six to nine percent a wow. year coming off the barrels. So, okay. so what happens is there's so much more wind influence so much more quickly that most people say as kind of a rule of thumb it's between two to three times as fast as things age in scotland for example Hmm. so for example this is sort of again like i say it's not exactly linear but it is kind of like a 36 year old scotch in effect by virtue of being the evaporation right not just not just the evaporation quality but also the wood interaction and how much more how much more it's because of the heat, the spirit is pushed into okay. the wood and more vanillin and more tannin extraction. Well, and that's uh, why Brian from Lost Spirits yeah. did his funky jungle aging process, oh, right. right? He was talking about that on the, on the other show. Yeah, he's using his lab setup to, to rapidly speed up that process. Right, yeah, right. but I think even just he has he has eight, he has a barrels. That's why he built that river. Oh, right. To, to control the humidity control and the heat and everything. Yeah. I think for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So what you're getting, so what you're tasting is, you know, a tremendous amount of wood extraction from used from used bourbon casks. God, it, it just so. the, the nose smells like you pop the bung and you're sniffing right. your yeah. bunghole sniffing. It's sm- <laughs> that but. bright. I said it. That bright wood character, man. And not even the char, just even the outside, or like walking into a barrel room at a winery right. or a, or a distillery or whatever. It just it's that light. But underneath, wood character. Yeah. But underneath, there's no grain. No. Right. So right. underneath, you're getting all that wood, but there's still that kind of, there's still kind of a natural molasses sweetness. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. get any of the corn that you would mm-hmm. in a bourbon. No, and for me, it's coming across like a like a honey thing. I think that's what yeah. I'm pulling from it. And um, I don't get that as much in the aroma as I do in the flavor. Right. I can still pick up the little bit of honey sweetness. In fact, a lot of these smell different than they taste. And I don't really yes. get that with bourbon. Yeah, it's usually samey. Yeah, yeah, or variations on a theme. Right, right. Yeah, but these are tasting different. These are complex. These are complex spirits. Yeah. It's kind of one of the crazy miracles of of, of rum that I, I I I can't fully explain. Although somebody could. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not saying it's a mystery, but it is interesting. You right. taste molasses, and you know what molasses tastes like. Yeah. 
when you taste fermented molasses wash, mm-hmm. it's very sour because all the <laughs> sugar has been converted mm-hmm. and into alcohol, and it's kind of it's kind of um, it's very tart. Yeah, it's very sour tasting. But then through the magic of distillation, it kind of comes back. You kind of mm-hmm. bring back if you're distilling carefully. If you're distilling thoughtfully, you're preserving the organoleptic characteristic of the raw material. You're not just you're not just making ethanol. Mm-hmm. You get that natural sweetness. That natural sweetness, those natural molasses flavors are preserved in the distillate. And that's what's kind of magical about it. That's the alchemy. And you say, wow, I really, this, I respect this distiller because this distiller recognized the raw material. Right. I think about that like you guys mm-hmm. spoke with Lance Winters and how good he is, mm-hmm. particularly with mm-hmm. the eau de V's. Yeah. You know, he came from that eau de V training. And he, it's, it's about when we make a pair of eau de V, how do we capture that fresh pear. How do we yeah. capture that summer pear? You know, how's that smell? How's it taste on the palate? Without right. sweetening. Without right. it's not just running no, it through yeah. a still. Yeah, and it's not right. just, it's not just putting sugar to oh, it tastes like a sweet pear. <laughs> right. It's the perception of sweetness is preserved mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. really smart, careful distillation. And this rum to me does a good job of preserving the core sweetness. Now, I could bring in a younger expression and it would be a little less oaky and you could taste a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. But um but this one is you know, we we love this one at, at ninety two. It's a great strength. This is a this is a, a dynamo in like a in a Manhattan or in an old fashioned. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. We love to, <laughs> dude. Please, Warren. I love Manhattan. Man, <laughs> yeah. man. We but, love to, we love to, to get people excited about premium aged rums. And one of the best ways to do it is to just say, just swap it for your. How would you normally drink your favorite brown spirit? Why don't you take this? Okay. And try it in something traditional like that. You know, try it. Try it in a. You know, try it in a. I don't know. You know, or your 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 uh, your Rob Roy or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Throw rum in it instead. See what happens. And it's and that, uh, when it's a great rum, at a you know quality distillate with a good proof and it stands up. You know the way you'd use a ninety proof bourbon in a Manhattan, so it pops mm-hmm, yeah. instead of kind of a thin eighty proof bourbon. You know, like. Yeah, this is this is great. Man, start, I knew you were the guy drink. to come and do the show. <laughs> I'm here to help. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that, and that's, <laughs> yeah, right. that seems that seems ideal for me. That, that is uh, one thing that you mentioned that really uh, made a couple things click in my head was Uh-oh. the acidity. Right, careful. <laughs> yeah. um, the acidity and what it does to the finish and how that kind of separates this from what I would say most bourbon and most whiskeys taste like. In, in that the finish is a lot brighter, crisper, and sharper. With yeah. a molasses-based fermentation, and I, whether or not that's a measurable pH thing or something like that, I don't know. But it does have a lot crisper finish. There's no lingering sweetness or anything like that. Right. Okay. In these, you I still get you. all the barrel flavor. Yeah. And you do get the honey sweetness while in mid palate in the beginning, yeah. but it's just gone by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's next? All right. This will be a right turn. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is another. Let's have the tall one. The tall one. You this got is gonna be another uh, another we, private. Uh, we need some more glasses here, Warren. Please, if you wouldn't mind. Well, we don't have many. Uh, oh, thank yeah. you. Okay. All right. We're running low. All right. We'll do a little rinsing. Yeah, twenty twenty three glasses or however many we have is not enough <laughs> no. for tonight. This is another. Um, this is another private bottling for Smuggler's Cove, from our friends at Plantation Rums in uh, in France. They're down in, in Cognac. They make Pierre Fran Cognac. Okay. And the owner Alexander Gabriel is a real passionate rum lover, and he started about twenty years ago getting really excited uh, about rums and and sourcing rums from all over the world. And what he does is some interesting things. What he does is he goes, he finds interesting rums, brings them back to France. 
he puts them into uh, cognac casks. He puts them into a used cognac barrels, so they spend a little bit of time aging and kind of uh, in a French oak cask for a, a year or so. Depends on the product. And then oftentimes he'll throw another finish on it after that. Maybe in this case there's a Pinot de Charente finish after the cognac. So this is eight years bourbon, three years cognac, probably about a year Pinot de Charente. Wow. In the time it spends in the cognac cask, he does a traditional cognac technique called passage, which is gradually adding in sugar while it's in the barrel. So there's a small amount of sugar being added post-distillation during aging, just like cognac has just like cognac has sugar in it. Okay. This this does as well. Um, Sorry, I'm giving sometimes that, it's <laughs> I'm giving Jason one of our bartenders at the hop grenade here uh, some of the rum fire. Right and on. He just I think <laughs> he just think? got whiplash. Oh, man. That was good. <laughs> it's a right rum. On. It it's, was just uh, intense. It's intense, right? A lot like camping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, or circuses. That's the dumbest Circus. joke. Circai. <laughs> uh, this is mean. So, uh, now, now what this, is the sugar? Now, in this case, this, this is Haitian rum. So this is Haitian a, rum. Okay, this is Calmstill, and this is cane juice rum. So this is not molasses rum. So basically, this is all over the map in terms of what's happening here. So you're get, you're getting uh, Haitian rum aged in a whiskey cask, which is pretty normal. Okay. But then you're going and having a cognac cask for a couple of years. Right. Then you're having a little bit of sugar added. Then you're going into Pinot de Charente cask. So basically, this is kind of what happens when kind of a mad scientist gets his hands <laughs> as he is. He's very. He's a very. Uh, uh, he's a very. Uh, uh, how do we say? We call him kind of. Uh, he's. I, he's kooky. Okay. We, we love him. Kooky. Um, <laughs> kooky works, man. He's yeah. doing. So he's. He likes to play around. He. He tastes. He'll. He'll smell a note in something. He'll say, "All right, this might be interesting to finish in this kind of a cask." So. So. Well, and it smells a little bit like the rum fire. A little bit funky. Smell, okay. What was the right? last cask? Was it, you said a Pinot? Pinot de cask? White Pinot de Charette, yeah. So it's, and somewhere along the line it gets kind of smoky, and I don't honestly know where that happened. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I don't know how this ended up smoky. It does definitely have a little smoky mm-hmm. pee mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Because Pinot oh de Charette is not smoky. Sort the, of. Uh, again, yeah. totally different. From everything we've had. Yeah. But a little bit of essence from here and there of, of kind of peppered through. This wow. is like a journey. So yeah. I get I get so you get the cognac cask gives it nuttiness, not not vanillin, because French oak doesn't really have vanillin, so right. it's mm-hmm. got a kind of a nuttiness to it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You get a real but there's real vegetalness on the inside on the on the way in, and that's because it's fresh cane juice rum, so there's kind of a vegetal note to it. Ah, okay. Then it's definitely got sweetness <laughs> on the finish because there is sugar added, so it but not too much. Sometimes you can add too much, and it tastes kind of leaden and 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 dead and uninteresting. Uh, sorry, but I, I don't know. I think we might just. I can wash some of them really. Fast. I think we're good because I want to like sip through them. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you're yeah. you're off the hook. Can we go get some of the tasters? Um, maybe. Sure. Sure. I don't know why sure. not. <laughs> why not? Thank you, Beth. Give you something to do. Go. No. <laughs> it does, right? Yeah. Oh, so that's is, the first, by the way. It yeah. smells like fart. Right. So, <laughs> spirits smell better than beer. Yeah. It smells like homebrew farts normally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeast ghosts. Yeah, I get... Yeast ghosts. Yeast ghosts. <laughs> I like right. that. Um, yeah, I get a little... I, 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 I'm just calling it dunder. I don't know. but A little bit of fun. Well, a little bit of horse, blanket, barnyard mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
So this is pleasant. Yeah, there's a pleasant. little bit of that smokiness to it, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and there's definitely the vegetal quality to it. It does have. You're right. It's kind of a wet hay quality. Mm-hmm. To this yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but this is, and you know, his products are all over the map because he's doing all kinds of different he's things. Experimenting. He's, and he's and sourcing okay. unusual products. He's sourcing rums from around the Caribbean and Central and South America and playing around. And so that's cool. And and this is the first uh, fresh pressed. Sure, example that we've had. Okay, uh, yeah, and then the next, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes in Haiti they use cane syrup uh, off season, but during the season it's usually fresh cane cheese. Okay. So, um, and so what you have is just kind of a kind of a wild mix, and that's where I think it's fun because rum lends itself to some of this this kind of creativity. Yeah, it's smooth. It is. That's a very smooth rum. So, part Let's of that. Part of that is because of the dosage. Part of that is because of the mm. sugar added. Mm. So a little bit of sugar right. added is going to soften some edges. Even a small amount will take a little bit of the uh, edge off. Because is this a, oh, there we go, 41%. That's real 41. good. And yeah. I'm actually a little bit hurt that I can't buy it. But you can come <laughs> drink it. I can come drink yeah. anytime. Yeah. At Between- 650 <laughs> Golf Street, the corner of Golf and McAllister in San Francisco, California. Visit us Man, he's like Sully. Yeah, <laughs> this guy. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan yeah. of the 21st Amendment. He's on a lot, and he just... <laughs> five, six, three, Second Street. It's right. two blocks yeah. from AT&T Park. That's right, Cans. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's shameless as I am? Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but not as good looking. I'm just going to say that, because he got the bald, <laughs> well, we got yeah. the bald thing I'm, going on. I'm Sully's blushing. very, you know, horrible, disfigured. Um, <laughs> this is, I'm kidding. Uh, Man, this what is, are they going to say about me next week? And, and he has a, a decent great, sense of fashion. It's true. I almost wore I almost wore a Hawaiian. Oh, right, but I was like, I don't want to like you know play up to the gast or whatever. If you but, did, uh, you should have told me because then I could have also worn we one. Should, we should have just done it, but I'm <laughs> no. not very smart. Yeah, it's the way of our people. That takes planning. <laughs> uh, this is a this is great. Good, glad you guys yeah. are liking I've, it. I've I, never had a rum like this. Never. Nothing even close. And I, I feel like I'm a broken record because I keep saying that as we go down the <laughs> tasting. But and I, this might actually be my favorite. All right. That's why yeah. I, brought, I brought you mm. six to get weird. Yeah, you know, and we uh, love as, getting weird here. That's as, for sure. As as uh, Diverse as I could, uh, as I could grab. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's do the last one. All right. Let's finish her off. And now I know this is a little different for a number of reasons, but uh, also for classification. Yeah. It's from Martinique. Mm-hmm. Martinique. This, Martinique. Yes. Um, and let's talk about that a little bit because that's a good segue from why is there no classification? Right. So you, we're drinking um, rum Clement um, six year. So this is now the French starting. Not too long ago, mm-hmm. created an AOC for their rums um, to protect and preserve sort of the integrity of this style of rum, which is fresh pressed cane juice has to be uh, harvested locally, has to be pressed and fermentation started within 24 hours. Um, it has to be produced uh, distilled on a what's called a Creole column still, a very simple uh, column still. It's continuous production, okay. but it's a very uh, they're very small stills. They're very, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of inefficient stills. Uh, so they retain a lot of character. And they're, they're pulled off the still at roughly the same point across the island. Yeah, again, even that cork there. So again, the beauty is, again, the beauty is they are, um, again, oh, sorry, here's the cork no, no. for the. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to do this bottle. I didn't want to spill it all over the oh, board. Yeah. 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 Oh. So, so you're really, when you drink Martinique, AOC, Martinique, rum agricole, you compare apples to apples. You really get to test the distiller's art and even the origin of the cane on the island. North Island cane tastes different than South Island cane. The North huh. it, the North is volcanic soil. The South wow. is, 
is uh, is coral. So it's like and anything limestone. like grapes or tea or yeah. coffee. There's, it just depends on where it grows. A huge difference in rainfall in the north of the island versus mm-hmm. south. And this is not a big island. Um, <laughs> and, and, be, uh, and because the style is so regulated, yeah. you can actually taste well, that taste ingredient difference. difference. North, North, North Island tastes a little bit sort of, to me, brighter, more citrusy. South okay. Island tastes a little more earthy, a little heavier. Okay. Um, and um, this is aged longer than is typical for Martinique rum, six years. Um, typically, people in Martinique typically like it unaged or very lightly aged because they don't like to lose raw material. Uh, in the character, they don't want to lose raw material to oak. They oh, okay. Want, yeah, they they really want to make sure you still taste that fresh cane juice. I'm trying to process this. <clears throat> you you uh, claimed your favorite too early because this is now my favorite. I yeah, could see I that. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a rum that I I could see that. This is a rum that I always pour, or this brand actually in particular, and and AOC Martinique uh, is a rum that I pour for Scotch lovers. And I think oh, yeah. you guys can tell why. Yeah. I mean, this is that kind of vegetal quality, or even for tequila lovers. Oh, there's, yeah, tequila. Yeah, even, though it's, oh, yeah. even though it's six years old, there's a lot of grassiness to it. It's very mm-hmm. bright mm-hmm. that way, yeah. Yeah, so it still tastes. So you can see how markedly different it is from molasses rum. Not better or worse. Oh, yeah. It's just markedly just different. Very different. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to figure out what rum is, and I guess it's <laughs> kind of... You you can't here. Just take some of mine. I'm not going to finish the whole thing, and you know you need a driver. You should. Too, you so. got a driver. I I know. Oh, I know. And but, you have uh, a new baby at home. I have a new baby. You at should home. drink we more. Talked, oh my god. I know. Right. I've been <laughs> drinking a lot of uh, actually a Guinness lot, extra stout for some reason. Oh, huh. I've been uh, just and uh, anyway. I don't know why. I said <laughs> it's got that, iron. <laughs> Those old that ads where they, they used to promote Guinness for pregnant women. I right, know. it's yeah. healthy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I told my wife. Helps your like, baby grow. Uh, I'm not gonna... <laughs> your sympathy drinking? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, drinking Terran's vitamins? <laughs> um, this is, yeah, scotch livers, for sure. Better yeah. scotch liver. Try uh, this. What do you think? Drinking it. There you go. And so this is a particular type of still. Pretty good. Oh, yeah, she said. Yeah. Nice. She mouthed through yeah. the... I apologize, yes. That's right. No, it's very scotchy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. has yeah. like that... Uh, if you say Bernie, I'm going to just... I'm bad with the words. It's not, not Bernie. No, <laughs> yeah. no, it has it has like... Um, Icy? God, I hate you. <laughs> no, it ha- it has the flavors, okay. which is oh, no better. <laughs> that's better, yeah. Good you job, You turned me off your... No, no, I didn't turn you off. I just turned you down a little no, bit because you're very excited. I am so excited. Yeah. It's the rum. Um, it's very similar to a scotch. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. great. I think it, yeah, we find we find uh, that's a, that's a gateway for uh, scotch drinkers to come in. Um, like a Highland scotch, not like a smoky scotch. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, no. Wow, look at her. Yeah, well, she yeah. knows her scotch. Yeah, <laughs> I like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. You know, this is rum agricole. If you kind of just throw it at a guest. You know, if they're used to the kind of the, those warm kind of um, leather and caramel and all mm-hmm. those nice warm tones, like you get in that real McCoy, mm-hmm. you throw you throw agricole at them, kind of unexpected, and people kind of go, oh, wait, "What just happened here? Did I just get thrown a curve, or what? Something's <laughs> wrong with this?" We say, if we if we find that if we do a flight and one of them's agricole, nobody likes the agricole. Mm. But if we tell them about it, if we give a little hand sell, and we say, "Look, here's why." 
this taste this way. And because it's fresh pressed cane juice and that preserves that grassy vegetable character, yeah. then people go, oh, I'm into this. I get it. That's <laughs> and cool. it's a, a, agricole That's is cool. the fresh pressed cane juice. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So people get in, people get into it that way. But it take, I, you know, be honest, it takes a little hand selling because it is a right sure. turn and it only represents a very small percentage of the global rum industry. It's really, really, you know, a small amount of yeah. it because it is hard to produce. It is, um, expensive and, and difficult and you really do have to be, you know, still has to be really close to the fields. So. And so this style is a protected style in term. In Martinique, it's protected, yeah. Okay. You can make, in the United States, you can put the word agricole on your bottle. It's not protected. Okay. Um, in the United States, for example, if you were to make as, say, um, as uh, Lance did at St. George, he mm-hmm. made St. George, California agricole, he called it. Um, he made it honestly. He was making it with fresh-pressed cane juice from cane grown in California. Mm-hmm. They pressed it at at their distillery in Alameda, fermented it right there. So it all makes sense. Using that word agricole is fine. That's a signifier to a rum connoisseur that I'm about to drink something that is made from fresh-pressed cane juice. Okay. That term can be misused. There are a few brands that throw it on there for because they're using evaporated cane juice, and they think it's the same thing, and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't keep putting this in me, I'm going to get very salty. <laughs> right. Well, I think we started the show an hour too yeah. early. Right, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's Welcome to Heads and Tails, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah, get, me, <laughs> get me plowed and watch me get into super trouble. <laughs> My wife's watching home going, shut up, shut up. What are you doing, dude? Abort, abort, abort. I'll drink beer and stop. <laughs> Uh, what a trip, man! What a yeah! What this, a trip! This has a lot of the the leathery and wood notes uh, that I like in a scotch, with a, a hint of smoke. Not it doesn't get peaty at all, but it, it has uh, the 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 hay kind of vegetalness from the ag- agricole, yeah. right? Yeah, um, agricole style, yeah. And so, then a, a hint of the typical honey flavors you get in rum, and it's just all blending perfectly to me. I like this as well. I would drink a glass of this. <laughs> a I mean, glass. A, a, a I mean, a, from I mean this. a case. I mean a vat. No, I mean you a know barrel. what I, mean. I would swim in it. Yeah, right, I, would, yeah. uh, I would actually be it. Yeah. <laughs> I would transfer my co- my consciousness to the barrel. I am this. <laughs> this is me. Give me some time. <laughs> no, I, this is great. I would I would drink this. I could pour it, and I could pour you. You know. A hundred more that are all different. Really? I mean, this is wow. it's off the it's off the charts in terms of variety, yeah. and that's what we love about it, and that's what keeps it. I mean, that's why I have nearly seven hundred of them at Smuggler's Cove. We we we. Wow. You have seven hundred rums, almost. Yeah. And so, no, no knock to all of the tiki fans, but why would you throw pineapple juice in this? <laughs> True. Like that's what, like to me. Answer him right now. Right. <laughs> we need an answer. No, no, this is great. Now, some of these rums we don't use obviously for 11 okay. ingredient drinks yeah some <laughs> some we do particularly because now so let me go back a little bit and tell you a little bit about what happened because when don the beachcomber our sort of the godfather of the tiki bar okay. came up with the idea of taking this very simple formula the planter's punch one of sour two of sweet three of strong four of weak that's the old caribbean rhyme it's very simple so sour your lime uh sweet your sugar strong okay. your rum weak your Whatever, whatever local fruit you have, maybe some mangoes, some pineapples. Uh, mm. In my case, ice. That's my week. So okay. that's fine. Um, <laughs> but he said, I'm going to make this Baroque and really interesting and really complicated. This is how he invents what we call historically the exotic cocktail. As he says, one of sour. All right, so lime juice. Great. Well, what if I did lime and lemon? What if I did lime, lemon, and orange? What if I did lime, <laughs> lemon, orange, and grapefruit? 
Okay. So he so he makes the he makes the citrus more baroque. Mm-hmm. Then he says, two, uh, you know, two of sweet. Mm-hmm. I could use sugar. What if I used honey? What if I used maple syrup? What if I used brown sugar? What if I used demerara sugar? Mm-hmm. So he makes the sugars more complex. Three of strong. So he says, all right, I got my cool citrus. I got my interesting sugars. I'm going to put some Jamaican rum in it. Boom, great. Tastes good. A little heavy, a little rich. He says, maybe, what if I were to blend the Jamaican rum? What if I did half Jamaican rum and half like a really light Cuban-style rum or Puerto Rican-style rum like that? What if I mixed them? Now, this doesn't seem super exotic in 2018. Right. In <laughs> right. 1933, sure. this seemed very exotic. Nobody ever has a three-gin martini, right? Right. Nobody ever True. has a three-rye Manhattan. Yeah. You have one spirit. And even in the Caribbean, if you're in Jamaica, you drink Jamaican rum. You don't go like, oh, gosh, I wonder what they're making over here. To hell with that. You drink Jamaican rum. Right. So, um, so he blended rums to get a more complex layered profile. He maybe took a smoky Demerara. He took a really light Cuban. He took a funky, heavy Jamaican. He blended them together to give you a more interesting base in the bottom of the drink. Okay. So he puts all of this together, and he creates this really wonderful thing we've all fallen in love with. You know, and you've had experience with you when you were making Port-au-Prince's the other day, yeah. or, you know, Three Dots and a Dash, or The Zombie, or all these great drinks. Yeah. Because they're complex, layered experiences. So we do need some of these great rums, some of these bigger rums and things to make these drinks. But some of these things, maybe we don't put that much into. Maybe some of these things... Like that real McCoy, maybe we're just going to make an old fashioned with it. Maybe I'm not going to put it at the bottom of a, of a, you know, an eleven ingredient drink where it might disappear. <clears throat> so, so yeah, so so some things are best enjoyed neat. Some things are best enjoyed rocks. So some mm-hmm. things are best enjoyed at the bottom of eleven ingredients. Exotic cocktail <laughs> with a big garnish on it, right. served on, in a mug on fire. Yeah, on fire, yeah. and the mug you can bring home for only twenty five dollars more with that sparkling um, dust that already, cinnamon. Yeah. You already know about the price increase on our menu. <laughs> <laughs> the mug is twenty five dollars. That hasn't even come out yet. Oh man, well you see, I guess yeah. that's what you get with a category that's as broad as rum. Yeah, I'm a natural. Well, now that you know, <laughs> as you said earlier, now you know what flarinum is. Mm-hmm. This this rum, like a big, rich, nice Barbados rum, like this. A little falernum, a bunch of bitters. It's the it's called a corn and oil. It's basically a Barbados old fashioned. Okay, great, great drink. Good stuff. There's a recipe in there in that fine book available at Amazon.com. Yeah, yeah. I was, Smuggler's Cove. I was, uh, find copies at Smuggler'sCove.com. Oh, you know, I'm, I need you to sign my copy, by the way. <laughs> that's uh, why you're here. That's why. Yeah, basically, that's all. Yeah, it's all, I'm not even recording. It's all, oh no, yeah. yeah, we're actually going to record it's the show rude. tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, one of my favorite recipes that I drink all the time is just the grog. Yeah, recipe, absolutely. Where it's uh, half an ounce of fresh lime juice, half an ounce of demerara syrup, uh-huh. and two ounces of rum. Yeah, and then you say if you use a pot still unaged rum or a black pot still. Um, maybe add some brackish water, you say. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Don't put brackish um, water. <laughs> yeah. But mm. honestly, it, that's kind of the second part of what opened my eyes to rum is um, just a little bit of citrus and a little bit of sugar. And it doesn't sure. it doesn't squash anything. Mm-hmm. It kind of opens it up and pairs it very well. Well, at the end of the day, lime and sugar are going to be rum's best friends. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's the daiquiri. That's mm-hmm. the, the core of the planter's punch. That's the... Lime and sugar are the, are the beginning. So, I mean, it's the same as sort of um, lots of spirits. I, you know, tequila is what, – what's tequila's best friend? You know, the, mar, the margarita is tequila's best friend. Right. It's, yeah. it's the perfect vehicle for tequila because you can use a huge range of tequilas and a little bit of orange liqueur and a little lime, maybe a bit of sugar. Tastes great. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a, those are flavors that accent tequila really well. 
and support tequila. That's why the Mai Tai is such a great drink because it's basically mm. a nutty rum margarita. It's got your <laughs> yeah. orange liqueur, your lime, your sugar, and just a little bit of almond. These I never looked at it that way. Yeah, yeah that's my wife's awesome. go-to. Mai Tai is all the time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nutty lime margaritas. That sounds like yeah. your wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. She also likes margaritas, so <laughs> she has a type. <laughs> Yeah. Um, b- before we go, uh, I just I want you to lay it on the line right now. Is rum better than any other spirit on the market? Go ahead. Answer <laughs> on the me, record. Please, right now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. There we go. <laughs> With the caveat, it oh. depends on the rum. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yes, okay. of course. Yeah, of course. sure. Uh, Martin Kate, everybody, thank you very much. Martin, My pleasure. For coming yeah, in thank and, you for coming and bringing down. this fine selection. Uh, I couldn't have done better myself. I'm this just going to say that right now. You you couldn't have. The book, As your friend, I can tell you. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, the book is Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Cult of Tiki. And even, look, it, just get it for uh, get it for a lot of reasons, obviously. But get it for the recipes. Uh, because I tell you what, this book has opened my eyes to a lot of different stuff. A lot of different flavors. And uh, I, I love flipping through it, uh, you know, weekly just to find something new. Uh, to drink, it's a it's a hoot. It will up your liquor cabinet a little bit, right? Um, but Make that's okay because honestly, there's some stuff in here that you you probably should have in your liquor cabinet anyway. Agreed. And yes. you had just have a good time. Um, and then Martin, you have a few tiki bars, a few bars. You want yeah. to go ahead and so, tell everybody uh, where they are? As mentioned, Smuggler's Cove right here in San Francisco, or at least right nearby uh, in San Francisco. I also uh, um, proud owner or partner in. Uh, Holly Paley in Portland, Oregon. Which I've been to. Fantastic place. The Thank you so much. were super bright and, and present and not muddled and sugary. Awesome. It was very good. Good, good, good. Very glad to hear it. I will pass that along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, False Idol, San Diego, California, yeah. and uh, Lost Lake in Chicago, Illinois. Nice. And uh, you'll also find my brief dalliance. Uh, I'm in a, as I like to say, I'm in a loving, committed relationship with rum, but I'm having a hot affair with gin on the side Ooh. over <laughs> at Whitechapel in San Francisco, only five blocks from Smuggler's Cove. Okay. So uh, also... Got the thumbs up for that one? Yeah. Is, uh, Smuggler's offers a largest rum selection in America and Whitechapel offers the largest gin selection in America. Wow. Going for it, man. I see a trend here. <laughs> yeah, I see a trend as well. It's, it's my it's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, so um, if you guys are coming to the uh, Spring Brews Fest, which is March 31st, yes. I believe, Bev, uh, right here in Toto Santos Park, tickets are still available. Um, I made a beer with uh, Dave Malala Vavala Vava hmm. at Flat Tail. Uh, based on one of the recipes from this book, the Port Al Prince. Oh wow! Um, with his sour blonde, is award-winning GABF gold medal-winning gold medal. Metal Probably. Winning. Let's just say medal winning. Metal because winning. after this show, I, it doesn't color doesn't matter. Just, right. You have a medal, and that's fine. Good yeah. job. Thank nice you very much. Done. You like that? That was I'm on professional. Point. It's fine. On point. <laughs> um, so check it out. And actually, um, I think we named it the Dawn after Don the Beachcomber. Nice. Oh. Um, a little thing. You know, Look maybe, at you guys tying it all together. So uh, go it- to go to the Flat Tail booth. Try it. If it's good, we're going to bottle it. And we're going to have, um, there's, uh, there's like a Tiki uh, artist, um, uh, Tiki Tony, does like kind of some Disney-related uh, okay. nice. things. Uh, hopefully to get him to do the label. Anyway, Tony's it'll be awesome. a whole thing. He seems like a nice dude. Great guy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, check that out. Just a little personal plug for yeah. me. But get Smuggler's Cove um, on Amazon. It's a great book. I enjoy it. And if I enjoy it, you know you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Because we're the same. 
And if you enjoy this podcast, you should get on iTunes and give us a ranking. King of the Segway over here. <laughs> That's what you uh, are, baby. We also just uh, hit uh, the Stitcher waves. So now there's a new way to get us uh, onto your phone, smart device, whatever you want. Stitch us up. Yeah. I love Stitch. Stitcher, by the way. Stitcher is great. Oh, yeah. That's where I get all my podcasts from. For sure. Um, and also the Google Plays and the iTunes and all that stuff. We're everywhere, dude. We're everywhere. Yeah, soon to be everywhere. Uh, thanks very much for listening to this show, everybody. Uh, check out our other shows on the Brewing Network. You can go to com. But really, Heads and Tails is, you know... Right. Above everything else. Yeah. Let's be we brought you the Brewing Network. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Martin, uh, thanks again, man. Uh, this was this was rad. And um, I knew from reading the book that you were the dude to come in and do this show. My so pleasure. Thank I this really is, appreciate it. This is the most thank fun you. I've ever had in Concord. Wow. wow. Thank you. We did it. We did it, man. <laughs> later on, we're going to high five. Oh, wait. Right now. No, I no, owe later. you five. No, no, later. Later, fine. Yeah, later. Okay, later. fine. Come on, don't overdo it, man. Jeez. All right. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks a lot for uh, sponsoring the show to Pico Brew and their Pico Still sure to check them out, peekaroo.com, and we will see you guys next time. Cheers. Bye.